welcome to the Become a Writer Today podcast with Brian Collins. Here you'll find practical advice and interviews for all kinds of writers. Would you like to write a non-fiction book? Hi there, my name is Brian Collins from Become a Writer Today and last year I wrote and published a book called The Art of Writing a Non-Fiction Book and you can get that book now on Audible and Amazon. But if you're interested in learning how you can do the same, in this podcast episode, I'm going to give you an extract from that audiobook that will help you learn more about how to find and work with an editor and then self-publish a great non-fiction book. Chapter 11. Self-editing your book until it's good enough to publish. Grammar is a piano I play by ear. Joan Didion. Learning how to self-edit a book is a little like having sex for the first time. At first, you may not understand what you're doing or where anything goes, but with practice, it gets better. So before you even pick up a red pen, finish writing your book's first draft. Otherwise, you risk turning into the frustrated aspiring author who tries to write and edit at the same time. If you haven't self-edited before, please understand there's more to self-editing than moving around your adjectives, adverbs and nouns. Distilling a draft into a concise piece of writing takes some discipline and an ounce of self-awareness. You see, it's difficult to cut a paragraph or a chapter that you love if it's just not working out. That said, it's also what professional authors do before they send their drafts to beta readers or editors for feedback. Getting ready to edit your first draft. After spending weeks or months writing about a topic, the work can become too hot to touch, let alone edit. When you finish your first draft, let it sit in your computer for a few days, or even longer depending on the length of your work. Swim, run, meditate, eat steak in an expensive restaurant, take the dog for an overdue walk, do something that has nothing in common with writing a non-fiction book. Your ideas will cool and your memory will fade. Later, when you open up that messy first draft, you'll look at it and think, oh yeah, I remember this. Now, before you edit anything, Change the line spacing of your work to double-spaced and change the fonts to Courier New and the size to 12. Better yet, download the font Courier Prime. This revised version of the Courier font looks better on larger screens and has all the benefits of its older brother. This font is available at fontsquirrel.com. Now, many professional journalists and sub-editors format their work like this because it's easy on the eye and it takes approximately one minute to read a page. This simplifies spotting errors and you'll have plenty of space for writing on your manuscript. Font choice aside, print out your work, sit down at a quiet table and read through your first draft in one go. Confession, I feel guilty about the paper I use while self-editing and I've got great intentions to plant a forest one day. Now, please don't feel disheartened if your first read-through disappoints. The American editor, Saul Stein, likens the process of reviewing a first draft to performing triage on a patient. And that's what you're about to do with a red pen. Strike through words with your pen, use arrows to move your sentences around and write in the spaces between each sentence. Your markups don't have to make sense to anyone but you. If you're in doubt about a change, circle the sentence or word with your pen and decide on this edit later on. I sometimes read my work aloud and record myself using the voice memo app on my phone. Then I listen back to this recording and mark up the manuscript. The act of saying something aloud helps identify problems in a way my eyes can't. Now that you have a sense of your manuscript, you're going to self-edit it in at least three different ways. 
Round 1. Editing the structure of a book chapter. During this round, concern yourself with how you've organised your book chapter as a whole, rather than the finer points of grammar. For example, during this edit, I reread the introduction and conclusion and see if they gel with each other. So ask yourself, does my introduction invoke curiosity in the reader? Do I invoke at least one of the five senses in each page of this chapter? Have I cut the weakest parts of this chapter? Have I included metaphors or similes that, upon reflection, don't stand up? Have I used compelling subheadings so that my chapter is more readable? Do I need to reformat my work or source images? Am I happy with the tone of this chapter? Do I need to interview an additional source for this chapter? Can I strengthen my arguments by including facts, figures, quotes, or third-party research? Round 2. Editing your book chapter in relation to other chapters. Like a general surveying the battlefield before marshalling his troops, take stock of each book chapter in relation to the rest of your book. Ideally, a book chapter falls naturally alongside the preceding and proceeding chapters. It also has a title and word count consistent with the rest of your book. It's sometimes pleasing to signpost or reference different chapters in your book at this point too, i.e. I'll talk more about this in chapter 5 and so on. That said, be careful not to clear your throat so much that you distract your readers. While editing The Power of Creativity, I stepped back and looked at my book as a whole. Then I dumped two unnecessary chapters and wrote a new one. I was less concerned with pretty little sentences than arranging my book in a way that agreed with readers. So address the big problems in your nonfiction book by asking yourself, does the central argument of my book stand up? Does each chapter hold true to my book's controlling idea? Is each chapter of a consistent length? Are the chapters in the right order? Are the titles of my book chapters consistent with the tone of my book? Do I need to break my book up into explicit sections? Have I told an emotional story throughout my book that resonates with readers? Are the central ideas or stories within each chapter specific to these chapters alone, or should I signpost them elsewhere? Have I brought an original insight into my work? Have I checked the introduction and conclusion of each chapter intrigues or satisfies readers? Do I repeat myself? What metaphors, ideas, and turns of phrase do I overuse throughout the book? Round 3. Line editing your book chapter. Line editing is like polishing your car. You can spend hours doing it and still not feel happy with how each line looks or how your book sounds. That said, it helps to know the basics. Use the act of voice. This chapter was edited by me. Oh dear, I hired an editor to fix my book. Now that's better. Eliminate unnecessary words. Look closely for unnecessary adverbs. There's one. And pointless adjectives. There's another. Eliminate cliches like your life depends on it. Simplify clunky language. My book it is filled with all manners of long sentences that must be edited down. I read these sentences aloud and I cut them out. Attributing dialogue? Just say said. She gesticulates, he grimaces, we giggled. That's not how people talk, your editor said. Look for moments of lazy writing. Do you make a living from your books or do you earn a living from your books? Avoid using the same word over and over and over and over and over. The writing software, Scrivener, will help you find overused words and a thesaurus is useful too. Kill your mixed metaphors because your readers are watching you like you're a hawk. Wait, what? Avoid complicated language. Your exasperated readers won't have the inclination to ruminate on your warblings. Use suitable formatting. Put keywords in italics bold and break things up with lists and so on. Review your punctuation. 
Unless you're tweeting like Donald Trump, cut those exclamation marks. Love the comma. Let's eat, comma, grandma isn't quite the same as let's eat grandma with no comma. And those dangling modifiers have to go. You possibly include them because they simply sound good. And your reader's reaction, really? Are you in doubt? Remember, brevity is clarity. Cut 10% of your work. Write compelling subheadings. Please don't begin your work with a boring introduction heading and end it with a stereotypical conclusion heading. Check your formatting. Did you use compelling subheadings and include images that add value to your book? Did you format your writing appropriately using bold italics, block quotes, lists, and so on? Hemingway app is a useful free tool that will help you eliminate clunky language and address many of the issues raised above. Getting help. Should you press enter once or twice after a paragraph? Is it better to refer to an interviewee by their first or last name? What's correct, ETC or etc.? While self-editing a non-fiction book, it's natural to face questions like these and feel unsure about the right answer. So let consistency be your North Star. If you said ETC on page 1, say ETC on page 201. If you're struggling, consider subscribing to a professional style guide like the Chicago Manual of Style or the Harvard Style Guide. The authors of these style guides have already faced and answered these questions many times, and if you've got a troubling question, you can just look it up. What's more, if you're self-publishing your book, you can refer your editor to these industry standard guides and he or she can root out any discrepancies in your book for you. That said, it's sometimes good to break the grammar police's rules once it's a deliberate choice that improves rather than detracts from your non-fiction book. Proofing and fact-checking your work. Publishing your book with a typo or a factual mistake is like arriving at a party with your fly open. Sure, some people will look away, but somebody's going to notice, and when they do, you're going to feel embarrassed. So it's no wonder that typos and bad grammar keep a lot of new writers and authors up at night. The longer you work in a book, the more likely you are to slip deeper into it and become blind to these typos and mistakes. Now, you could obsess about typos and bad grammar and never go to that party at all. You see, mistakes appear in books of all types, even traditionally published ones with a large editorial budget. That's just one reason why publishers release second, third, fourth and revised editions of popular books. For example, the first edition of the James Bond novel Moonraker by Ian Fleming contained a typo on page 10. The letter T was missing from the word shoot. Today, that version of the book is rather valuable. Still, nobody wants to turn up to a party or a bookstore and embarrass themselves. Damn there, typos keep me up at night, so here's my checklist. Have you read your work out loud in a quiet room, listening for words that sound out of place? Did you check your work for your most common spelling and grammar mistakes? Are your figures correct and do they add up? Did you spell your source's name correctly and give them appropriate titles? Have you cited all your sources either in the chapter or at the back of your book? Do your links work? If you're editing a book for print, remember to type out the links. Did you check your grammar and spelling using a tool like Grammarly? This list is a good start. But all of this will only take you so far, unfortunately. Proofreading is time-consuming, and because you're so close to your non-fiction book, you will inevitably overlook some mistakes. I wasted a lot of time trying to proofread my first book, only to have unhappy readers email me about some typos that I missed. Giving chapters of your book to trusted friends and family is one workaround, and it shouldn't cost you too much beyond returning the favour. However, just be sure they're eagle-eyed. That said, it always pays to hire a proofreader, And that's something I cover in a little bit more detail in a subsequent chapter. 
How many rounds of self-editing is enough? Great writing is rewriting. You should self-edit your nonfiction book at least three times by sentence, by chapter, and as a whole. That said, you can write, review, edit, and rewrite your book many more times before it's good enough to publish. So take it sentence by sentence, paragraph by paragraph, and chapter by chapter. As you self-edit and write, but not at the same time, your book will teach you how to finish it. While working on your second or third draft, enlist the help of a family member or friend and ask them to provide frank feedback. Later on, enlist beta readers, a professional editor, and a proofreader. Ask them to help you turn your self-edited draft into something you're proud to publish. Working with editors in particular is the quickest way to master the self-editing process because they'll teach you things you just can't see. Now, some writers rework their book until it goes to the printing press. And today, thanks to self-publishing, you can even rewrite your work after publication. But please don't get stuck on a merry-go-round of self-editing your non-fiction book without an end in sight. Diminishing returns will set in. If you've taken the time to listen to your editor, you've done your job. So accept that while your book isn't perfect, it's as good as it can be. And that's all your readers can ask. Your writing exercises. Change the font of your writing to Courier or Courier Prime, the line spacing to double, and the size to 12. Now, print out your manuscript and mark it up. After returning to the environment by planting a small forest, work through your manuscript at least three times. During each pass, edit a different part of your work. I hope you found that audiobook chapter useful. And if you did, you can actually get the art of writing a non-fiction book right now. Just visit becomearitertodaybook.com and you'll find all the details. I hope you enjoyed this podcast episode. If you did, please leave a rating on the iTunes store. And if you want to accomplish more with your writing, please visit becomearitertoday.com forward slash join and I'll send you a free email course. Thanks for listening.